Welcome to this episode of Scouting for Growth. I'm your host, Sabine Van Der Linden, and today I am thrilled to welcome to the show Leandro Dalimion, Global Head of Insurance and General Manager at Plank. With nearly 30 years of driving business growth through data and artificial intelligence across the financial services sector, Leandro brings an invaluable perspective on leveraging technology's potential and doing so responsibly and particularly when it concerns data and advanced technologies. Currently spearheading Planck's trailblazing generative AI platform called Plus, underwriting Workbench, Planck serves leading commercial insurers globally. It is important to note that Leandro previously transformed AIG as Chief Data Officer, so it is not his first rodeo. His passion for unlocking data's promise blossomed while managing analytics, risk, and strategy for the likes of BlackRock, Citigroup, and GE Capital across the Americas, Europe, and Asia-Pac. Harm with mechanical engineering and mathematics credentials, Leandro channels is analytical capabilities toward leveraging global collaborations to new heights, actually. He kickstarted an Italian bank, yes, he did, for GE Capital and plan its path to new growth heights. Um, indeed, the bank led a $40 billion mortgage portfolio worldwide at some point in time. This is going to be an inspiring podcast, I promise you. Uh, I hope you will enjoy listening to it as we will dive into how Leandro leads Planck's creation of the most sophisticated AI solutions. And those are purposed built for commercial insurers. I can't wait to unpack how he and his team at Planck have taken advantage of the craze around generative AI and the need for ethical and transparent practices to empower commercial insurance players to redefine underwriting. As many of you also expect, I am sure, I'm looking forward to exploring Landro's insight on crossing geographic location as well. Yes, Planck is moving global and uh, transforming the sector, sector I very much love and I've been working in for over 25 years. So we'll dive into innovation and the future of commercial insurance in an AI-driven world. So welcome to you all to Scouting for Growth. Don't forget to rate, download, like this podcast because it's going to be awesome. And yes, let's welcome Leandro. Hi, Leandro. Thank you so much for joining me on Scouting for Growth. Hi, Sabine. It's always a pleasure to see you. Well, I remember, you know, having you on stage at ITC, so InsurTech Connect Vegas, and we had an amazing time a couple of years ago. And I want actually my audience, my listeners to really understand who Planks is. So thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. So let's get started with who are you, Leandro? Because data and analytics is your world. Yes. And I really want 
people to really understand the path you have gone onto to actually now lead data analytics, being the general manager for a plank in the United States and actually globally, right? Yeah, we're expanding globally now. We're in four countries. Um, I, I joined Plank more than five years ago. Uh, we are still a startup, although we've been around since 2016. Um, right? Our first customers start to come in 2017. Uh, they're all commercial lines insured. I joined Plank again through one of, the, one of our co-founders, um, who is an old-time friend of mine, David Shapiro. Um, and I was at a, a very known by everybody in the industry. Um, so David and I go back, uh, I think nearly 20 years now. Uh, and I was at AIG before joining, um, before joining Plank. I was the chief data officer for AIG. So um, I have a lot of insurance background. So since I joined Plank, I mean, the, it's very interesting because we've, we've changed a lot, right? We did not just grew significantly. We were just focused in the US, for instance. Now we are in Japan, Germany, uh, and Australia and going into the UK. So we have, we're adding more and more, uh, more and more countries. Um, the, the technology works really well, seemed so far in, in every place that we've expanded to. So that's, that's uh, very positive. But also we, we've evolved in terms of our product and our, and our solution, right? We went from, I would say, being a data provider um, at the very, very early stages years ago to now, you know, providing a, a risk workbench, uh, you know, underwriting insights workbench. And with Gen AI, it even allows sort of their, that, uh, that co-pilot, it's, it, it's your, you know, AI co-pilot underwriter supporting the underwriters, giving them how we call it internally superpowers, right? The, the idea is to enable the underwriter to to really be way more productive, right? To focus on the right um, value add activities instead of just, you know, spending time doing research and trying to find uh, information through the web. So we are already going into the Plank Generative AI platform, right? And I want to go into the story of it because you told me everything mm -hmm. when I saw you just a few months ago and I was so impressed and you shared with me, you know, the platform and I saw what generative AI can do in commercial line underwriting. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is so sexy and exciting. So let's go into understanding what is PLUS, right? I think it's called mm -hmm. PLUS Workbench. Plus, that's the name, yes. And you have been building this since November, 2022 to be what it is today, to offer okay. really new capabilities to commercial insurers, right? Yeah. Or commercial underwriters. Tell us a little bit more about that. So you, you have great memories. I mean, it was spot on on the dates. And of course, Plus is the name uh, of this product. So think about this. Um, five years ago, right? If I can tell you a little bit of evolution, how we got here, we were providing data. So, uh, and underwriting insights. So it was uh, pretty much, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. um, does a business have, let's say a restaurant, have, have, have live entertainment? So the initial, our solution was saying true, false, true, false, right? So that was a data point uh, that we we're able to provide. The process that we do, it was, it was still the same, right? We go out, find that entity, that mm -hmm. business, right? With the business name and an address, then grab all the raw data 
that's digitally available, um, open, right? Openly and freely digitally available about that business, bring it in. The way that I say, it's like, this is raw data. We'll digest that data and transform that into information. Give you an answer true, false live entertainment for that business. Now, as you imagine, right, brokers and underwriters and they said, okay, um, so Plank is saying that it's true live entertainment for that restaurant. Prove me, right? At the very beginning, some, some customers have been with us for more than five years now. Um, and that phase has, right, it has been proved and, and it's now, you know, yes, they accept, they understand the accuracy and the, and the hit rate and the coverage of that, that insight. Um, but still, the question remains, why? It's a black box. We don't, we don't like black boxes. Yeah. So as we evolved, right, so that was the very first stage, true or false. As we evolved, we were able to then provide links or say, hey, it is live, there is live entertainment in this restaurant because here are the links that the machine identified and digested to provide that true answer. Okay, that is better, right, in terms of opening the black box. But if I provide 10 links to an underwriter, he or she is going to spend a lot of time, right, going through it. It's like, eh, you're not helping much, right? Multiply that by 20, 30, 50 insights. Now, I'm going to fast forward to, you know, this last 12, 15 months when we incorporated Gen AI into sort of the opening the black box. We've been using large language models since the beginning of the company. Um, they were not very popular because ChatGPT wasn't around. Um, but I think more importantly is now how we can open the black box. So now what happens is, does do this business have live entertainment? And the answer is yes. And then you can go and say, CY, right? Actually call CY in a button you know, in our platform, like click here. And then there is first a summary, generative AI generated, although it's redundant, um, uh, that says, yes, this business has live entertainment and you, you've seen it, right? When I, when, we, when I show it to you at the ITC, because there are mentions on their website and there are reviews on Yelp or whatever that states that on Thursdays there are, there's a DJ. Mm -hmm. And then we still have the links. And by the way, so this is a summary, right? That the AI produces based on a ton of information. So very quick, you can understand what's happening. And then you can click on the links if you want further evidence, right? You want the picture of the DJ, you want the picture of people dancing, the links are there. And I'm not done yet. It sounds like a TV commercial for a used car, right? Not done yet. Then the last part is, okay, so let's say that you as an underwriter understand there's live entertainment, right? You understand uh, the explanation why, you can see evidence with the links, but what if you want to further understand what do you mean by live entertainment? Because it's not clear in the, in the explanation. So then we have this chat version, which is which works like Bard, like ChatGPT style. And it's your own, you, right? It's, it's our own. To, it's your own, right? Yeah, we can talk about it later. You, where you can ask questions, right? And uh, and you say, tell me more about this live entertainment, or um, 
what kind of music does the DJ play? Or I don't know, it's very addictive, right? Once you start asking questions, right? And we've heard this from our customers, it's very addictive. You ask one question, they're like, hmm, but I'd like to know something more. Um, so you can even have the ability to interact now with the data to extract even more information. So just for our listener, I would love for you to explain, Leandro, why this is important. So what are the pain points we are trying to alleviate in commercial law and insurance? And what that means for an underwriter today when we look at the level of competition we have in the marketplace? Yeah, um, it, it's been the dilemma for many years, right? Um, I think it's, it's, you can almost simplify it in two fronts. One is efficiency. You gain efficiency, right? Instead of doing these tasks that take a lot of time, add little value, right? One could spend, you know, 30 minutes browsing to uh, Google pages to try to find live entertainment to stick mm -hmm. to, my same, to the same example. So efficiency is super important. Um, as margins are very thin in commercial lines, um, yeah. as well, personal lines, to be honest, in insurance, right? It's super important that the underwriters are efficient. So that's one. And technology is there to help. The second part is the accuracy, right? Is, is how precisely you're finding the correct information and not the, you know, a misleading indicator or the, actually the wrong, wrong data. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is sort of the second component. So you become more efficient through technology, but you also allow, you know, um, your underwriters or yourself, if you are an underwriter, to, to be more confident in, in, in what you're finding. Um, all right, we don't, because uh, the beauty of the technology, it doesn't have to rely on one source, right? It can go at multiple sources, bring it all together and make sense of that um, <clears throat> information. So. This is sort of the biggest, those are the two biggest pain points that we are solving with technology, right? It, it is allowing the underwriters to be more efficient and more precise. Um, yeah. You know, I, whilst you are speaking, I'm thinking about some um, statistic um, hmm. around generative AI, because, you know, as you would expect, I've done my train articles and um, I've been looking at uh, where the market has gone over uh, the past year. And whilst, you know, there's been some challenges in investment within the past year, within the startup world, our insurtech world and fintech world, right? Some of the numbers shows that maybe I think half a trillion investment has gone into startup this year compared to previous year, which was twice as much. But who has won? Generative AI. So from looking at the numbers, 41 billion has been invested in generative AI. And just out of the 41 billion, 20 billion comes from 2023, just one year. And I know there's a 10 billion from OpenAI, but still, right? It shows that there's been still a massive investment in venue venture. Yes. Yeah. So what surprised you the most when working with Plank platform and the innovation coming into our industry? Yeah, um, it was surprising. Um, but if, if for anyone that ever used ChatGPT once, right, to, to stick to, to OpenAI's, um, you know, platform, it is impressive, right? So it, it, it's surprising that there was a, that amount of, uh, you know, investment in such a short period of time and the adoption, right, which broke all the records, you know, surpassed Twitter, right, surpassed, it surpassed every other, you know, latest, uh, you know, uh, um, launch of any product. It was 
right? The highest ever. So you look at the numbers and you're surprised, but then you, you actually use it and then you become even more surprised. And, and I think people, once they start looking at and using it, they understand the power of it. Yeah. Um, that being said, Sabi, I'll, I'll give you anecdotal you know, information about sort of our experience mm-hmm. within insurance about Gen, Gen AI. And, and I usually, when I'm presenting and, and onboarding a group of underwriters, uh, and I was just doing this on Monday um, in Maryland, in, in the US, right? So um, I always ask, how many of you, before I even give a very quick high level overview of large language models and what you can do, I always ask, how many of you have heard of, I used to ask how many have used ChatGPT, but no, I go one step further, or step actually before, I say, how many of you have heard about ChatGPT, generative AI? And I'll tell you, it's about 50%. Now I'm talking about established large carriers. You know, if you go to digital MGA space, different, the numbers are higher, but the traditional carrier, I would say it's 50, 60% will raise their hands. Yeah, I heard about it. The other, surprisingly, I mean, or not, it's insurance. So we're not known to be extremely innovative. Uh, and people maybe get angry at me with it, but it's true. It's true. Um, we're not, right? Um, but so it's about 60% that say, yeah. Uh, and then I, for the, my follow up question is, okay, how many of you have used it? And then the number drops to about 30%. So half of those who raise their hand kind of say, ah, oh, no. And that's still surprise. That happened on Monday, and mm-hmm. that is more than you know two years that we have the technology out there, right? Um, so I think we're getting there. To your point about you know the investment, it was huge. There is much more room probably to grow because if you think about it, yeah, all those great numbers within insurance, it seems to be still a very novel, new, brand new product uh, or or you know solution. So then it comes to us and say, okay, but how can I use it, right? And then it becomes very clear. Once, once again, back to my point, right? Once you ask one question, it's like, wow. Um, so, and people come after, right? Typically we do, we have our, our kickoff sessions. They will come after me. What's the name of the other one? I mean, they're not gonna use for business, right? But what's the name of the, bar, 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 bar? I say, bar. yeah, Google Bar. <laughs> oh, okay, cool, thank you, thank you, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to try it at home. Um, and the other thing, too, I do is, like, talk to your kids. Yeah, you kids, I mean, the kids they often do know, right? Because I have, I don't have any children, but I do have amazing, wonderful godchildren, uh, teens. And uh, they are outraged that they cannot use it at school, right? <laughs> and so it's like, it's kind of funny because... A lot of us in insurance do not even know it exists and they are outraged that they can't do their research at school with it. <laughs> yeah, which brings us to, I mean, I'm not going to lead the questions, you will, but data brings to the point. Yes, data, right? Compre- you know, how do we use it to be safe? Because that's the reason right. why I think at school, I mean, there are two things about school for me, is you and I, Went to school, we had to write the essay, we had to do the research, looking at the big books, right? The big manuals. 
And today, after 30 years, we know how to use data. We know what is wrong and we know what is right just the minute we see it. So what's your view about data transparency? How do we use the technology safely, responsibly? Because in Europe, as you know, we have the six principle, at least six principle of um, AI and generative AI and data safety, let's call it, yeah. uh, trustworthiness, explain, uh, explainability, responsibility, all these amazing words. How do you implement that when you yeah. we, you deliver Plank Plus within uh, your your commercial insurance customers? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I have kids, right? I have two. And one is off of college uh, and the other one is 16. Uh, and yeah, he uses chat DPT a lot. But because he's 16, he tells me he's using it and my wife. So it's not very smart, right? Because he goes like, yeah, somebody else, my friend is going to prepare this assay. It happened last week. And he comes like, I said, but it's due tomorrow. It's a 10 page. He's like, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to take his and ask ChatGPT to rewrite it. I'm like, really? So again, very good with technology. Needs more experience about knowing what to say and what not to say, right? Clearly, that was not a good strategy for him. Um, but that's exactly right. That's what I said. No, you have to learn to do it by yourself, right? You know how to use technology. Great. You can use technology, but you're not learning how to write the essay. Um, so that's one example. But then, and then it was interesting because then my wife said, who doesn't understand much about technology or that stuff? And, but she said, how, how can this school catch it? And honestly, well, the school does, right? They do have technology nowadays, at least in the UK. Um, universities, they kind do of reverse engineer. Yeah, but if you're a teacher, right? So that's the thing. I mean, he, he's doing that at home. He's not doing it in school. So on another laptop, for sure. And, you know, there are, I mean, when you look at it closely, there are some repeats. There is, you know, let's something and there is some. Yeah, so yeah. you have to be even smarter than the technology. But what I, I think personally is great for research. Just go and rewrite and actually be critical yeah. around what comes out. So instead of right. maybe taking 10 hours to do the job, right? You said you had the one day. You probably can do those 10 pages in four hours. But then you go right. to his links and making sure that everything is accurate and providing his own point of view. So what's that's your right. view around how we drive transparency and integrity in our industry? Yeah. So that's one example, right? Now you translate that to business. Um, a lot of our a lot of our customers insurance, right? They have either restricted or completely shut down access, internal access, right, yeah. to ChatGPT. Why? Because they're concerned about the, the, some of the events that yeah. most of, I'm sure, your, your the audience knows about. right? There's hallucinations. Hallucinations and you uploading, um, right, um, patents yeah. and secret information and financial data, and you don't yeah. know what happens to it, right? Is it feeding the beast? And then somebody else from another company, a competitor, can ask that question and get your data, right? So it's like, wait, wait a minute. So I think the, the first reaction, human reaction is to stop, right? As that's how our companies are doing. It's like, stop everything, shut it down, don't allow access. And now let's think about how we're gonna actually enable this in a safe manner for the company, right? right. And transparent and, and with privacy issues addressed and is it a biased model, is it not biased, so on and so forth. So I think we're getting, we're starting to get there now. When we develop our own, we accounted for it, right? So two problems. One is privacy, the confidentiality in that data is our customer's data. So we don't want the questions 
Think about it from an underwriting perspective. There's a lot of intellectual property. If you are an experienced underwriter, um, you know, you can ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. If I catch that and I use, you know, if, an, if a competitor can, well, I'm going to have a lot of your underwriting IP. So how we prevent that, that's relatively simple, right? We just create our own environment and we keep it like we keep everything else, right? Now, the second part is, so that's, that's taken care of. The second part is the hallucinations. Hallucinations is difficult. It's part of the, the technology, right? Um, it, it is a challenge, right? Uh, and then how do you know? I mean, people have seen examples, right? Uh, you know, if you ask a question, it, it's amazing. You will make up an answer and it sounds pretty legit. Um, what we've done is without telling our secret sauce, but what we've done to control it is one, we kind of put guardrails in terms of the data that the Gen AI algorithm can work with. So it's not like it's free for all and it's going to go off on the web and collect everything and come up with an answer. So that controls part of it. The other thing is um, we have multiple LLM models, one verifying another. So it's it's really cool, right? Because nice. uh, a human being cannot do it. That, that goes your efficiency, right? Um, so we have we have that to control. What does that do is it reduces the hallucination significantly. We've seen it, but it also sometimes, right? There's always trade-offs to be honest. Right? We're not gonna super transparent here. There are always trade-offs. If we control the hallucination a lot- So the data is less. We, exactly, right? There, there's less information that's being provided. They're not, it's not all the answers are going to be, are going to be given. Now, if we let it, go wild a little bit more we'll get more answers right we're not going to miss some stuff but at the same time you are more there's a higher risk of some answer being completely made up right yeah finding that balance you know it, it depends on carrier by carrier right in terms of their risk appetite to deal with this um so we're still and we're able to adjust we can adjust it which is great um but that's sort of a, how we've addressed those two problems. Uh, and it's always a question. Interesting. I, mean, I would tell you one of my secret though. So when, so I like, for example, when, when I think creatively, I love using OpenAI because as you said, OpenAI will help you actually see the limitation of your thinking. Okay. And so let's say I will want to write an article, let's say on the future of generative AI uh, in underwriting. I will ask a few questions to OpenAI just to help me with my structure. But then I will go to perplexity and Clotu from entropy to contain the findings mm, and say, okay, what are the best articles I should be reading on that topic, right? Structure, content, and then here's the magic. Then I start writing. <laughs> so something which, you know, by doing my Google search will have taken me maybe two hours end up taking me maybe 30 minutes and then off I go, which is what you are saying, right? You need to understand the tools and how they, they play and how you contain the hallucination by asking the right question and actually becoming better prompt engineering expert as well in some ways. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there's also, right, it's that. And then after you control it, if you don't control it, um, especially for the underwriters who never heard of it, um, you know, there is always the the 
the concern about am I being replaced by AI? Um, right. Uh, you know, it, it, it will it, and then some of them, of course, will you know, will it take over? Right, humanity in a in a Terminator Skynet. <laughs> you know, Skynet. You know, one day we're gonna wake up and this is it. Right. You know, it took over uh, and it's making all the decisions and um, which, I mean, we don't believe it's going to be the case. Um, it's really more of a, a tool, you know, every, there, there are some people without mentioning names, very famous people and uh, that believe that, um, that at one day, this is it. Even if that happens, I mean, we're building the AI, so it's very likely it's not going to, it's going to be a Skynet, but um but it's it like is the way, always right? the right balance, actually. You know, you mentioned, for example, some of the trends around future of work. We talk about generative AI. You know, we, we are beginning of the year still. What I think, when when you look at the trends and the um, the issues you believe are the most important for our industry, what are those you guys are betting on at Planck? Um, we are betting on a lot of the efficiency, right, and and the ability to write write businesses um, from an insurance perspective um, with the right risk and to price them accordingly. So that is really our biggest bet, right? Um, leverage the the leverage AI and leverage the technology as a co-pilot, right, as the, for the workbench. So that's really our biggest bet. Um, we've seen great results so far. We've seen an adoption that. We've never seen it. It's unheard of in insurance in the last couple of months alone. Um, so we're very pleased with that. Um, that is sort of one, that's the very first level, right? The second level that we see sort of coming is, um, I, I mentioned a bit about the IP, yeah, um, right? And an underwriter, so think about a senior underwriter, 30 years of experience writing a business, knows what to ask, knows what to look for. Um, right, I've, I've talked to them, right, and I've worked with them. And sometimes they see the picture of a business, could be a contractor, could be whatever. And they, they say, okay, I see this, I see. They see things, right, because of experience. Well, we can think about it, right? If you're answering the right question uh, or any question, if you're looking at certain things, we can now record it. Mm -hmm. So think the ability to train new underwriters. They can, they can become productive, you know, usually takes, a, you know, one, you know, two years to train an underwriter until he or she becomes very, you know, effective or somewhat effective. Well, we can make it very quickly and we can keep the, the whole um, uh, sort of risk appetite. Very tight. You know, exactly. It, 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 it's fantastic what it can be done. That being said, now, now the next step is like, okay, so are we automating? Perhaps, right? Perhaps we can automate or recommend some of those decisions in commercial lines, which yeah. is which is always harder, super difficult, very complex, uh, you know, underwriting, depending on what you're trying to do, but you can actually start making real progress towards, you know, straight to processing and automation of that underwriting decision and the quoting, etc. So um, that is sort of we really where we see this going and not, we're not alone. I mean, we're... yeah, you know, you already mentioned um, future of work and fear within our industry. 
where do you think we are going to be in five to 10 years? I believe personally, Leandro, that our skill set is going to shift a little bit, mm. right? We can leverage technology for automation, but that means we need to be far more creative and probably more authentic, but also be more aligned with our ethical integrity levers in some ways. What's your view? Where are we going in five to 10 years from now? I would probably be wrong. Um, I will, I'm 100% sure I'm going to be wrong because I've never seen a five, 10 year prediction that is correct. Uh, unless it's by luck, but it's, it's pretty much where you do it, where you're going. I mean, um, right. It, it will require us to change faster than we have. I mean, we talk about the kids, right? Yeah. So I'm sure if I ask, if I go to the class here, uh, right. If I ask hey, how many have used chat EPT, they're going to say, yeah, I use like three times today. Right. Um, and, and now remember my example, right? If on Monday, people, you know, uh, in, a previous, in, their, in their previous generation, our generation, are still like eh, 30%. Mm -hmm. Well, five to 10 years, these guys in high school now are gonna be working, right? In the workforce. So it, it will change, period. And it will force us to your point. I think you're spot on, Sabini. It's like to be more creative in different ways because all those mundane tasks will be taken care of. Absolutely. Right. Um, uh, one, of, one of our customers went on a honeymoon. Listen to this, it's funny. He told me on Monday, right? He, was, he said, when I asked the question, same event. And he said, well, I've used it for, for my honeymoon. And I'm like, what? He's like, yes. He just went on a honeymoon to Japan and he told the platform, not our platform, our platform does that. Does well, we might actually, I don't know. Oh, no, one might. of those, yes. I might try one of those questions, but he said, plan my honeymoon based on these things that he and you know his, his wife likes. Mm -hmm. So I like this, 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 plan my honeymoon, tell me where to go, boom, right? So think about it. Now, a lot of the research that you, you know, that he could have spent hours doing himself within seconds, but now he needs to be more creative about well, how, you know, how, what do I really like? What do I want? So maybe he never thought about it. Yeah. Um, so we got to approach things differently and just let technology do the work. Are we going to be in, on the beach every in 10 years and nobody's going to work anymore? Probably not. Um, and we still have to account for, you know, how the technology is being used. And it's going the right direction. We, we know biases are, you know, implicit in a lot of models, uh, you know, race bias uh, or gender bias. So we got to account for it. It's very, it's even more difficult in Gen AI yeah. than it was with the, with the general, you know, linear regression. We had problems with general linear regressions, right, of certain, you know, neighborhoods being, you know, overpriced in, in banking, for instance, right, in lending or or a certain race or a certain gender. Imagine Gen AI, which is way more complex to understand. Absolutely. How do you guarantee that model is unbiased? Um, you know, it doesn't have any specific uh, behavior towards any group. Mm. It's going to be difficult. It is going to be difficult. You know, I can see it because, uh, you know, as I get older, I guess I get more creative. And, um, you know, I've not never been really good at using DALI, but um, from a picture viewpoint, oh. I try stability and mid journey. But the one I really like is Leonardo AI because it also helps me write prompts. 
And, you know, when you actually start learning to prompt properly, you realize there is bias because if you want a woman, black woman, you say, I want a black woman on the prompt because most of the time, if Mm. you say, I want a person, it will be a white man. So you can see the bias just in a very simple way just there, right? You're right. Actually, I did this with Dali and now that you're thinking about it, that's exactly what I wrote. I said, I, it was like a couple of days ago. I said, I want a picture of a dog and a, and a person. And you're right. It gave me, give me a white man, right? And a Labrador. So I'm like, oh, why a Labrador, right? Why a Labrador and why one? Exactly, Labrador? I have a bulldog. You realize that there is bias. And if you try to the time, you realize there's, you know, because of the people probably who build it, which takes me to responsibility and ethics in AI. What does that mean for you and the team at Plank? to do responsible and ethical artificial intelligence. How can our industry start learning what that means to be less scared in deploying such capabilities to have them be more productive, more efficient, identify the right risk based on their risk appetite and actually start building portfolio, which are profitable portfolios. Yeah, um, I've, I've done my own research about it. Um, when I was talking about it, at a, you know, AI uh, in, a, in a seminar, recently and and it's difficult right there are different approaches i'll tell you ours uh once i sort of laid out what i found is there are people who are saying uh we have to slow it down right in europe a lot of happening in europe we have to slow it down it's too fast it's going too fast we have to put some you know guardrail (laughs) and and take our time not gonna happen think about it how are you going to slow it down, right? It's impossible. There's not just money going in. It's a business push, right? Because there is a huge business opportunity. Plus, anybody could be coding their, in their living room, any place in the world. So probably not going to work. Second approach was, oh, we have to do some IO, right? In the US, the FDA, right? Drug trial process. So you go through stages and gates before you release um, something to the public. Mm-hmm. It was not unlikely to happen either, because one thing is to have regulation for a pharma company. Another thing is to have regulation again for the guy sitting in the garage, right? In the old days, it was the garage. Now it can be a living room, it can be anywhere. It can be a coffee shop creating a code. Um, unlikely, I think. Um, then you have the third one that I heard. Oh, we're going to have humans to kind of oversee everything that the gen AI is producing, unrealistic. Yeah. I mean, we'll need way more than 8 billion people to just check. doing this 24 seven, right? And somebody did the math actually, right? If you spend like one second reviewing everything that gen AI is producing today already, it will need way more than 8 billion people 24 seven. So not gonna work. Uh, like, like our example, right? You and I checking DALI or any other, Hey, why are you giving me all, every time you give me a white man and a Labrador, right? Um, it, it's not practical. And then the fourth one that I heard, and this is back to us, we use technology to, to oversee technology, right? I think that's the only way that we can actually do it this efficiently. It's like, okay, here's one LLM model. Here's an adversarial, um, adversarial, adversarial, uh, you know, model here. And and you're checking here and you are checking his answer and or her answer or whatever the model right uh vice versa so we need technology to oversee technology at the pace this thing is growing 
it's so complex what happens, you know, with the models that no, it's impossible to understand. So one way that we've seen and we've incorporated, as, as I described a little bit earlier, it is to make sure that the model is verifying the answer of that model and vice versa. So there will be like a model checking for biases, a model checking for accuracy, a model checking for, you have to, you have to use technology to get the checks on technology, right? If we try to do it ourselves, yeah. we're very likely to miss it. Yeah, right? and women, um, you know, uh, we are prone to, to error anyway, even though we think we know so much, but we will be prone to error. And what I like as well from what you are saying is we need the, the, the platform able to check the generative AI system to make sure that they are ethical and responsible yeah. and um, we have this cross-validation. As we were speaking, actually, Leandro, I was thinking about some of the work I did last year with uh, Watson X and at Wimbledon Generative AI. I was so honored mm. to actually go to the engine room and actually start understanding how generative AI is working actually in a setting like Wimbledon. One thing I learned is the data is critical. So you are using insurance data and you are using data which is relevant for the commercial line. Insurance underwriter, this is critical. Then you also need to understand where the data is sitting. So you will have to use in some ways the internal data of the insurer, right? Private cloud, but then you also use public data, such as going into the internet to actually look for a property, what they are doing, what they are being said on the internet about them. So we are now going into cloud, public cloud. But also as we move forward, when we use our mobile phone, right? We are starting mm -hmm. moving into the edge. And so we are going to start looking at cloud on the edge and all this data becomes critical in making good decisions. Then you're actually leveraging your large language model, turning them into foundation models. So things you can replicate, right? Mm -hmm. And then that is where we are going into proper generative AI. And that doesn't happen with just random and, um, you know, blank piece of paper. You need a lot of knowledge to actually build this, right? You're right. And again, um, we're not very good. Humans are not very good at doing this at this point. Right? There is one example that I use a lot is called the uh, Microsoft did it. So when they were checking um, some machine learning code, um, I forgot the name of this principle in, in AI, but there's a name of the principle. Basically, what, it, what it's done is we, um, we told the, the, the program, right? to win a game called Boat Runners. And you can Google if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's super interesting. It's out there, the papers. Um, and Boat Runners, without complicating, it's a very simple game, right? It's a little boat. And you go up and you have to collect some points along the way. And if you, 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 know, you maximize your points if you complete the course faster than anybody else. Yeah. So what they told the AI was, so they develop a code to win the game and maximize the points, but they told the objective, your objective is to maximize the points. So the AI did that. So the AI found the loop and it was sort of almost a bug, but it was not a bug. It was a, you know, a little glitch. And then you see the boat going around in circles for a certain number of circles. I don't remember how many burning literally burning all the village and the boats around it so like destroying everything it's very interesting right because it's like wow and then it completes the course and it maximized the number of points uh -huh. did the ai accomplish its goals yes 
Who gave them the goals? We did. Were very good goals? No, it destroyed everything along the way. That was not the intent. So again, that goes back to the biases, goes back to the blank piece of paper that you're talking about. It's how we program it. We have our limitations, right? So we need to use technology to monitor technology and help uh, and help it actually be an you know, accomplish what we want, right? So it, it, otherwise, it goes back to the science fiction stories where AI takes over and finds out that humans are the problem. You know, with the we tell save the save the the planet, and you know. The conclusion is I gotta get rid of them, and because that, you know, they are not ethical. They're like, no, 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 no. But it's the same principle. Um, Indeed, right? Indeed, applied so, to our business. Yeah. Absolutely, but also, um, I I think it allows us to reflect around, you know, how we we train actually uh, technology uh, with our own personal limitations as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. What would be your takeaway? So looking at, you know, the future where you are coming, you're in Germany, you're in the United States, you are in Australia, you are coming to the United Kingdom. So I'm so excited just to see you in the next few months. Really, really excited. So what are the takeaway we should all remember? And um, also tell us where we can find you as well, Leandro. Um, takeaway, I don't have a takeaway. I think um, I think we'll be hearing more of uh, more of uh, us and and. If you are in insurance and you might take and you have not heard about Gen AI, please do strongly recommend it is the future, uh, right? It's coming from all directions, not just insurance. So we're going to see much more and more, you know, a, a more natural interaction with technology. I think that would be my, my takeaway, right? Up until now, AI was this thing far removed and there were some mod- Now it, it has become much more, it's closer to our human interaction with text and and how we think about speech being the next level probably we just talk about it and we hear an answer so it's going to become very close to to us um and you can find us you know plank of course on linkedin uh and on the web plank data uh you will find everything you need to know about uh, about us and of course feel free to reach out anytime anybody um to myself or my colleagues and it's very important to remember that Planck was a, a very well-renowned scientist as well. And that's where the name comes from. Correct. Max Planck. Very few people have passed that. And then um, in quantum physics, Nobel Prize winner, Max Planck, you know, the Planck constant, which used to be, um, it's, it's why we're called Planck. And quick explanation is uh, actually the legal name of our company is Planck Resolution. Uh, which means it's the then Planck is the the smallest scale and the smallest energy and the smallest many other constants, but um, it's the smallest scale in a universe, right? It's a Planck um, unit um, of space, and that's why we were called Planck resolution because we go after the most minute, the smallest resolution of data to build those insights, right? We go after every little point, so that's that's why we're called Planck. I love it because that you know the loop is you know going back to the origin. Yeah, you're and right. We are going to now doing that with generative AI. I cannot wait to see you in London, Leandro. Yes, it will be a just pleasure. next few weeks. As I hope you are going to be able to do some training at InsurTech Insights Europe on how to use generative AI in commercial insurance. I'm sure you are going to have a room full of attendees. But on this note, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Thank you, Sabina. Thank you very much. Always, always great.
talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Scouting for Growth. Please subscribe, share with friends, and leave a five-star rating. Your rating is so valuable. I review all of them, and my team help me adapt content to meet your needs. Also, connect with me on my preferred channels. I am a B2B growth expert, so you will find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Threads, and X as well, as well as Blue Sky. All information available below. Until next, keep scouting for growth.